I wonder what if, what if that incident didn't happen? What would my, you know, life be like as a, you know, as a runner or just my life? And I think that I'm very grateful for the lessons that I took away from, from that disappointment. You know, I came back from Beijing just totally just kind of thinking that this is probably it. I should just move on. Um, I was already, you know, in my late 30s when I made the team. So I was already an older athlete making an Olympic team. And that was, you know, it kind of just strips strips you down to, to the bear. And it, you have, I had a lot of uh, reflecting to do in terms of what was next. And, you know, do I, do I just move away from that, this type of commitment and training? And do I just, you know, run, which would have been totally fine, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with just waking up and running every day just for yourself. Um, and then something clicked, you know, for me, like I am doing this for myself. This is why I get up every morning, whether I make the Olympic team or not, whether I get on the podium of the next race or not. I do it because I love it. And it really just like clicked why, why I was doing it. It just became my why. Hello, Yogi Triathlete community. Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you so much for being here. I'm Jess, I'm your host, and today BJ and I are coming to you from Goo headquarters in Berkeley, California. We are incredibly grateful to be standing, not sitting, standing <laughs> in the office of the great Magdalena Boulay. Welcome to the show, Magda. Thanks for having me. Super excited to do this with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you've got um, a packed schedule, so we're really grateful. And I know everyone who's listening is, uh, is grateful as well that you've taken the time, carved it out for us today. And because you're so busy, we want to just like jump right into it. And so um, who are you? <laughs> who are you and how did you get to Goo? Oh, my, uh, my story. Well, who am I? Uh, that, that is a really deep question. It is a really deep. Well, this is yes. the Yogi Triathlete De- podcast. <laughs> really depends on, uh, on the hour, which hat I wear. But, uh, you know, I wear many hats. Uh, obviously, you know, here at Goo, I've, I've been involved with Goo since uh, the first day. I literally knocked on a door uh, seeking advice, nutritional advice. I was a struggling post-college athlete who was trying to figure, figure out how to progress from one level to, to the next level. And, um, you know, I kind of figured that I've never really addressed nutrition to the same level. I address my training uh, physically, and it was time to, you know, to, to go on that journey and discover it. And you know, little did I know here, you know, I graduated from UC Berkeley. There was a little company uh, that someone, you know, told me about and once, you know, handed me a goo packet, vanilla bean right before a race. And, you know, just timing was everything. This light bulb, you know, went, went off and I said, I need to go and talk to the experts behind sports nutrition. So I literally knocked on a door uh, at goo and introduced myself and said, I need help. And at that point, it must have been a pretty small operation. Yeah, there were about 20 people total, including production, because Goo has always produced the product on site. So, uh, you know, with, uh, 
with uh, the production crew as well as uh, everybody else from sales and marketing and the founder of Goo. Uh, yeah, in Berkeley, and that was my kind of entry into really putting what I studied in school into you know actual you know action and what I could take away and what kind of improvements I could make to, you know, to my daily routine and fueling and overall nutrition. What was that first conversation like? It was incredible. You know, I mean, you know, I was directly introduced to Dr. Vaughn and, you know, his passion for just even a little bit of that 1% improvement was so inspiring that, you know, I ended up going back to school and getting my master's degree in sports nutrition because of him. Yeah, it just made you kind of think about the little things that make a big difference. All those little details, right. like right. not not missing that last aid station, like right. just all those little Tiny. details, mm-hmm. all the calories, all the right. fuel, but right. and knowing what and when. Yeah, it's the, you know, the right nutrients at the right time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my introduction to Goo and I kind of feel I grew up, you know, at Goo kind of learning with the community and, you know, obviously we work with more than just runners. Uh, you know, we started running, but we work with so many different sports. So I was on a, this huge learning curve and getting to know what, you know, climbers do and swimmers and cyclists. And yeah, it was really, really, uh, and the challenges of a triathlete. It was a really cool introduction to, you know, to, to this field of uh, sports nutrition that ever since has just grown tremendously and has evolved and it's booming right now. And, you know, the research behind it is just incredible. Uh, and people are investing a lot of research in, in, in the field, which is fun to be a part of. And what's your role here now? So I lead uh, the effort of uh, our R&D department, which is research and development. So the research part is, you know, having a team who studies the science and reviews the science and makes recommendations on how to apply it and test it with the target consumer and athlete. Uh, and the development part of, uh, of my team is people that are food scientists that put the recommendations to, to work and bring it to life and create products. And so we just, BJ and I just took a tour with Louie through the production and he was talking to us about the small batch kitchen mm-hmm. where you guys are literally creating your new recipes, Right, correct? Yes. So <clears throat> our small batch kitchen is a platform where we get to scale up um, product concepts and test them with, you know, with small group of athletes during the early product development process. And we can, you know, it's it, it goes beyond the products that we make commercially. It's concepts that are necessary to test, to either validate the concepts that we want to test with athletes, new ingredients, new form factors, will, you know, support, uh, support uh, specific projects uh, that athletes are taking on. Um, you know, last year, um, for example, uh, we made special food, uh, 
or foods uh, for uh, Marathon de Sap for all, you know, seven days, like every single calorie that you would consume uh, in seven days, we basically created all of, uh, all of the nutrition for it. Or we have an uh, athlete who did um, a Festus No Time um, through Bear's Ears, or right now, uh, one of our own, uh, Roxanne, who is a, a sports nutritionist here at Gu is climbing Mount Everest and we created specific nutrition to support that demand. So uh, again, um, through those opportunities, we learn how certain ingredients uh, work for, you know, for specific uh, situations and we get to uh, use and leverage that, uh, that knowledge for a future product development. And not only is Roxanne going to the top of Everest, she's looking to go from Berkeley to the top of Everest and back in 14 days. Is that correct? That is correct. That is a, it's called the lightning ascent. So a lot of her preparation, you know, you could say that this was, you know, this was years in the making, um, but she's on the seven, seven, uh, so seven highest, uh, peaks on each continent. Um, she's on that quest and this is number six for her. She's got one more after this, but the last year, it's been just a privilege to watch, you know, her preparation, um, you know, from, you know, not just the physical preparation that goes into something like this, but from nutrition, from mental, from the hypoxic training that she's doing, all of the factors that are extremely necessary to have a good, successful uh, trip to the top, top of the mountain. It's been just a pleasure to, you know, to, to watch that and witness that. And along with that, you know, we also get to, you know, involve the rest of the team and support her with product development specific for, you know, for such uh, uh, extreme environment. Um, in addition to the products that we make, you know, we made a lot of custom stuff that uh, will support her, um, uh, her journey up to, you know, the top of Mount Everest, allow for great recovery, uh, prevent, you know, her muscles from breaking down while she's at that high altitude. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it was a great team effort leading up to, to this. And now we're just kind of, uh, you know, on standby watching, watching, uh, uh the progress. <laughs> it, it's, I think it's going to continue to grow because I mean, people are just doing profound things now. Like the right. guy, Colin O'Brady, who just did uh, Antarctica. Yes. He had his own Colin bars. So correct. correct. Specific nutrition for specific endurance events. And, you know, there's Ironman and there's uh, 50Ks right. and 50 miles. But I think these events, like the right. lightning uh, event, Ascent, Ascent is like it's going to okay. keep growing. Right. So more people are going to be doing it. So they need unique fuels. Correct. So personalized nutrition, right? It's, again, so... It's critical, and for us, you know, we when we work with our athletes, we try to learn as much about them as possible. So not only how you know how does their body respond to you know to training, but everyone's got nutritional different nutritional needs depending on the event and the environment that they're doing. There's a lot of restrictions sometimes with how much you can carry. You know what what you can put in your pack and temperature and um yeah the accessibility mm -hmm. to to the food you know whether what form factor it comes in really will um will depend on you know how much access you have and um every every athlete as well as every event like that 
can be different. And for us, this is a huge, being part of it is a huge uh, opportunity to learn and get, gain that knowledge and apply it in the future. And like BJ said, yeah, I really think that this is, this is something that's going to continue to grow and grow and grow because as, as humans, we're never quite satisfied, are we? Right, right, right? Like it used to be Iron Man, toughest one-day one event ever, and now it's, you know, from Berkeley to the top top of the world and in back 14 in 14 days. days. Right. And so I love that because the human spirit is so resilient because our will is so strong that we can, we can create these... Um, projects from inspiration and have companies like Goo support it. And, and you guys love this too. I mean, like as a, as a food scientist, all the food scientists and somebody who, you know, you have your master's in sports nutrition, correct? Like you must just geek out over this stuff. Totally. But you also, (laughs) yes. And at the same time, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not just supporting it, but doing it in a way that's responsible for the athletes. So, you know, they can continue to to, you know, to, to do it safely without breaking down the, you know, the body after just one big event. We want them to come back, make sure that their nutrition is part of that restorative and preventative approach, that they have longevity after, you know, after that big event. When Rexan gets back, you know, to Berkeley, we want to make sure that this is not it, right? That, you know, she can recover uh, and that she can do this all over again next time. And that's what we want for, you know, for all the other athletes, whether it's Mount Everest or your first marathon, we want to make sure that the nutrition is supportive uh, of the demand that you're putting your body through and not just getting it to the finish line, but beyond that you recover and have the desire to come back to those events. Because we want people to for this to be a lifestyle, right? Not just like this bucket list thing that you're like, oh, check, I did my marathon, I can move on. No, we want you in the sport. Whatever that sport is, we want you to do it for the rest of your life. And so our interest lies in longevity. Like we want to respect the body by supporting it with the right nutrients at the right time. So what do you see with um, age groupers or, you know, athletes? Because for longevity, it's got to be, what you're eating on a daily basis, what you're eating before the workout, what you're eating during the workout, whether that's a huge project or or just a two-hour workout, and then what you're eating after. And so what do you you see um, as really a common mistake that athletes are making? Or opportunity. Or opportunity. (laughs) A common mistake is, you know, I always, uh, you know, try not to be... (laughs) like too strict but the common mistake is probably like oh I run 70 miles a week I work out 20 hours you know a week whatever it is whether you run or cycle or swim you put in your time right and you put a lot of hours therefore it gives you the green light to eat all the crappy food there is Mm. biggest mistake that's so not true right like we that phrase of you are what you eat is you know is actually true because the food just imagine like how many hours and how many calories throughout the day you eat you're supposed to eat food versus the sports nutrition that you feel with during a two-hour workout that ratio of you know the calories coming from sports nutrition to the rest of your nutrition your diet um is you know is pretty obvious that you know we should pay attention to to that nutrition so what we eat outside of sports nutrition is critical because it's um there's would you agree with this that the health of the gut 
that you bring into race day has so much to do with your success of sports nutrition during that oh, absolutely. exertion. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's the foods, you know, that the sports nutrition will only work as well as the rest of the engine <laughs> is, mm-hmm. you know, set up to, to work. So, um, your gut is, uh, incredibly important. So the foods that we eat throughout the day will, uh, either make your gut resilient and, and able to, you know, to break down certain nutrients really well, and your gut can adopt and uh, be trained to obviously to consume certain sports nutrition, um, but also it can you know it can be uh, enriched by you know by the foods that you eat outside of sports nutrition, and it will not only allow you to obviously absorb nutrients and break down f- certain foods during exercise, but it also will affect your brain and your mood and your emotion. Um, yeah, the, you know, the gut is your second brain, so you got to treat it well. I'm glad you mentioned the brain because it's my understanding that the brain's, um, like the biggest source of fuel is carbohydrates. So what's your position on like the low carbohydrate athlete? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I don't want to say that it doesn't work for everyone, uh, or it works for everyone. It's really, really individual. And there are certain, as an endurance athlete myself, there are certain workouts that I like to do on no carbs or low carbs or or fasted workouts, right? Like the timing on when uh, I strategically include carbohydrates will improve my, you know, my ability to use certain uh, substrates, uh, depending for what I'm training for, right? So it always starts with, you know, what are you training for? You know, is it a marathon? Is it an ultra event? Is it a stage race? So depending on, and for the same athlete, that could vary throughout the week, throughout the year, right? You could, I could, I could train for a marathon in the first three, four months of the year, and then I can switch to an ultra, and I would probably be a lot more flexible with the way I approach my fueling during training uh, and do it strategically. So I never say, oh, low-carb diets don't work or, car- you know, you have to be 60%. Mm-hmm. It, because I don't, if I don't know the athlete and what they're training for, I can't make that um, conclusion, right? I can't say that without learning about what they're training for. Um, so it, it really depends. There is definitely a benefit to doing occasional fasted workouts for ultra endurance or endurance events. And you do, you can shift your metabolism and to get to the point where you can, where you can um, be metabolically flexible so you can tap in into both substrates is to your advantage and that can be obviously done through the proper diet and what your diet looks like uh, through fueling strategically and obviously or not fueling on certain you know certain workouts and also not knowing your genetics you know you gotta you gotta figure out you know what your baseline is and 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 then you know and then trying to you know to to see if you need to make changes or not depending on what you're training for and how important is body awareness like as a feedback system um 
even just listening to yeah listening I mean to, knowing yeah. that because we'll do fasted workouts every now right. and again but sometimes when I get into the height of my training yeah um it's like that doesn't feel right for right. me like I yeah. feel like my body is just always like wanting, wanting yeah, yeah wanting to absorb and yeah. so it doesn't feel as good because yeah. those shorter workouts are few and far between right I think that you know again with um with doing fasted workouts, you know, as a coach, I only uh, prescribe them on really easy days or very easy, sometimes long. You do a progression, right? So you might start with just once a week on an easy day, never doing it on a quality day where you have high intensity um, or a really hard, long session. So always doing it on the, you know, on the easy recovery runs that are, or, um, or um, bike rides or swims that are obviously at that kind of zone one, zone two, low heart rate, where I can have a conversation and then building up, you know, maybe from a 30 to 45 minute session to an hour session to eventually working your way up where you can actually do a two hour session that's easy again, not high intensity, fasted. Yeah, and paying attention and noticing yeah. and knowing because your your body's giving you feedback all the time, right. right? So just noticing how your individual body is working, like when when does that hunger come right. in? When you know, and, and watching that. Correct, and also you know when we say fasted, we does it doesn't mean that you can't stay hydrated. It doesn't mean that you can't have electrolytes. It doesn't mean that you can't have you know branched amino acids to prevent you know that muscle breakdown. It's it's strategically applying the carbs. Uh, so there's also other nutrients that you can uh, have during those fasted se- uh, sessions that will not shift your metabolism towards, you know, burning carbs and still allow you to, you know, to, uh, to utilize uh, uh, your fat, but not have that cognitive impairment that sometimes happens. Yeah, yeah. So you're still nourishing the body. In a way. And again, it's about longevity, right? Right. So, so doing it too frequently, doing it, mm-hmm. you know, on days that you uh, that you might have a hard session, you putting yourself at risk for injury, for never replenishing those stores, um, especially if you, you know, train consecutively. It's or sometimes twice a day. It's extremely hard to, you know, to uh, to replenish when you're restricting. And that minds, I think the mindset goes too when you're trying to do a fasted. Because I've tried this fast and, yep. and then do a hard treadmill session, <laughs> oh. and then and then you come yeah. up and you're like all energized because yeah. you just you know you went. But then you get that depletion. You just feel yeah. um, that mental breakdown if you don't fuel up right away. Because that first meal you have in a fasted state should be a real quality, nutrient dense meal. Meal, yeah. yeah, right. Not a hamburger or <laughs> fast food, which most people do. You can say most people, but a lot of people do try it out and they're like, well, I deserve it because I haven't yeah, had anything. Yeah, it's the deserve it thing. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 you deserve to treat your body with a lot of good nutrients right now. Right. It's the opposite. I think just changing that mindset of, you know, that the reward, um, you, you, you know, by putting junk in after you worked out for, you know, for let's say two, three hours or sometimes longer, you know, to some people putting junk in means reward. To me, it means damage, right? Yeah, it's, so punish- how do we, it's yeah. punishment. Yeah, it's like you just worked out so hard. You took two steps forward towards making yourself a better you. And now you just ruined that by, you know, putting 
junk in your body. Yeah. That's 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 that space. That's that mindset space. They, right. they have an they have that choice. It's like, and we talk about it when you when you begin to slow things down, whether it's a meditation practice or yoga or right. just being mindful. quiet, mindful. Yeah. yeah. Your space grows bigger, so you right. can get into that right. gap and be like, well, is this actually the thing that is going to help me move towards a faster Race. Well, you know, you think about like what's, you know, what exercise, you know, a heart session does to your body, but it's under a lot of stress, right? So during st- stressful moment, we don't always make great choices. <laughs> so the, the, my number one rule is when I finished, you know, a heart session, never go grocery shopping because oh, no. No. I either end up with way too much stuff. <laughs> Even stuff that is really good, I'm like what was I thinking? <laughs> to, to you know, so planning becomes really important. Like when you finish a session, making sure that you already have something. Like I have always have my recovery drink, you know, ready to go, so then I can down that and start making better decisions. <laughs> right. <laughs> right after that, even feed, like yeah, yeah, feed, feed the, the brain, mind, yeah. feed the body, and then you can, mm-hmm. like BJ said, you can be in that gap and you can Correct. make make good quality decisions and we're all in our 40s right Right. so it's a lot easier I think when I was in my 20s and 30s it was like go hammer it hard and then go to the brew place across the street hammer some beers beers, and french fries and now I'm like I wouldn't think about that at all because I'm like this is a temple so I always have a green juice you know after a race I'll put that down first and take the BCAAs afterwards and start getting the body recovered because I want this thing to be moving in 40 years. Right. Yeah. You want to make sure that you get up the next morning and you can actually enjoy, you know, what do you love doing versus hurting, right? Right. You're right. In the the 20s, you're a lot more resilient. And as a, you know, as a... As uh, someone who is in their 40s as well, you know, I've in the last, you know, 10 years, in a decade, I've definitely have made some conscious decisions about recovery and how critical recovery is. Um, And, you know, it really, you know, comes down to, you know, to treating yourself with respect. um, Because if you do want to do this 40, 50 years from now, and I do, very much so as well uh it's worth investing and planning a little bit and making good choices and 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 it's 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 going to take time i think to to really change that mindset of you know of uh, a lot of athletes where you shouldn't feel bad but by making you know that good choice like the worst thing is you know people making you feel bad because you went for the nutritious food versus the junk food. Right. Like, no, you don't yeah. understand. Get a new I wanna, group of friends. Yeah. <laughs> I so want to be doing this, you know, 50 years from now. Yeah. Um, and I want to not just do it, but I actually feel good doing it, right? right? So that's the difference about just, you know, longevity is not about just being there 50 years from now and still doing it. It's about feeling good doing it, doing it in a helpful way. Yes. Living, um, in a way that feels good where you're still excited to get up and and everything's mobile. Um, so speaking of longevity, let's shift it a little bit to actual physical training, right? Because that's obviously a huge part of this. Now you trained with Jack Daniels was your coach for a long time, like a a decade, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's my hero. You know, yeah. when I think of people that, uh, you know, that uh, I, I physically, you know, when I, every time I see him, 
you know, he, I can still go on a run with him. You know, he's got his own little formula of what works, but, you know, he's uh, 86. Just talked to him on the phone a couple days ago, and, um, you know, he can, he can still do his run, walk, run, walk, and he looks good doing it, like his mechanics, his form, and, um, and you know, when I think of him, I'm like, wow, you know, he, he's, he's the, the person in my life that has... <clears throat> installed the the kind of passion and love for uh for the sport um in a very unique way it was never get your results at any cost it was how do you develop your body for the long run for the long haul so you can do this you know when you used to say when you're my age <laughs> you know it's 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 that progression where you're respecting that developmental process uh, versus too much too soon breaking down and eventually walking away from the sport because you're so broken down so it sounds like you're talking about patience patience yes and sometimes you know sometimes you have to slow down to you know go to faster. go faster to go further and, um, you know, he would be the first one sometimes in my training to tell me, you're not ready for this. Like emotionally, you might be ready, but physically you got to pay your dues. You can spend more time doing this type of work before or this type of mileage. Um, you know, I was really eager to, you know, to, to improve uh, quick and he would always put the brakes on and he's like, no, you know, you, you need to slow down a little bit. Um, there's there's no reason to do this much this soon you'll get there your body will be ready and you know a decade later i've realized that this is this is the reason why i'm still running this is the you know if i look at some of you know either my friends um that i ran with in college or post-college or competitors a lot of them have moved on um from the sport and that's, um, you know, one of the reason why one of the reasons why I entered trail running and ultra running, you know, after my road days was, well, because a I knew that I wasn't done yet, you know, with 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 running that I um, I had that mentality of you know doing it for you know for the rest of my life because of the lessons I've learned from Jack Daniels, because of, you know, understanding how important nutrition is and fueling me, um, and that it can be done in a way that is responsible and it supports that longevity goal. Um, yeah. and, and that you don't have to feel deprived, yeah. right? Well, so no. it's, yeah, yeah <clears throat> I don't feel deprived at all when I slam down my recovery drink in the car, you know, <laughs> on the way to go grab a smoothie. I, right. I, I don't feel deprived at all. It's just, um, you know, it's like the better it gets, the better it gets. So you're putting good fuel in your body. Your body's going to feel good. And as humans, like we're hard, we're literally hardwired to be comfortable and to feel good. Right. So if we just kind of take that, make that first choice and keep some momentum and, um, you know, we're going to continue to make those choices that feel good. Like there's no other way for us now. Well, you think of like how we as endurance athletes improve is like consistency, right? You stay consistent and patient, you put in the work. And I think that, you know, with, again, we're, we're kind of just hinting on like, you know, 
there's no shortcuts, right? You, you, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta eat the right things at the right time. So you feel good. So you can get up the next morning and do it all over again a week after week and month after month, a year after year. And that's how you get better as an endurance athlete is putting those blocks and years together, uh, consistent without huge breakdowns, you know, whether it's injuries or just, you know, emotionally being, um, burnt out and having to walk away for a year or two. Um, but it's building that consistency, you know, throughout years and, um, yeah, that's how we get better. What can you say about your relationship with Jack as far as being with him for so long as a coach? Because yeah. what we experience, you know, people jumping around and, you know, maybe this is the, the next big thing or this is the next thing. What what do you think is the is a good formula or a mindset to have that kept you so engaged for that long with one what coach? coach? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, I think that <clears throat> I've thought about it many different times that, you know, there were different opportunities throughout the years for me to, you know, join maybe different groups and train with people. Um, And at the end, I think Jack was just the right fit for me. He just personality wise, you know, he was a scientist. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed knowing the why behind each workout. Um, You know, to him, you know, he he was able to articulate the vision to me, what it could look like down the years. And it really, you know, was up to me to buy into the system and stick with it. Um, Was that hard for you? It wasn't. I mean, he was, you know, and, you know, Jack is not this like rah, rah, you know, inspirational, (laughs) you know, just, you know, like a motivator, but he's got incredible stories and he is, you know, you just sense that passion of, uh, um, you know, just like uh, Dr. Vaughn, like with nutrition, you know, those are two, you know, two men in my life that um, just made a tremendous impact on, you know, why I love, uh, you know, science, nutrition, as well as, uh, you know, coaching. Um, and there was, I think what they have in common uh, is that passion for what they do. And that was just contagious. And, you know, I always like wanted to get to the next level so I can learn a little bit more when I was ready. Um, and, you know, at, uh, at kind of at the end of my, you know, relationship with, you know, with, with Jack Daniels, when we were kind of, you know, we knew we were approaching like the end of the marathon days, it became a lot more collaborative. So our relationship matured um, and I had a lot more input into my training. He learned so much about me and what I didn't like <laughs> and certain workouts caused me more anxiety than others and how to, you know, how to, he always believed that you know, there's not one way of getting from point A to point B and that there were many ways to get the same result. Um, you know, if, so yeah, he was creative. He was, uh, creative and, um, every year was not the same. I think that, you know, after, you know, 10, 10 years, he was still able to put a twist on my <laughs> schedule. I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? <laughs> you want me to, I've never done this before. <laughs> so, <clears throat> But it was also nice to have, you know, some of the, you know, piece of pr- predictability too, that I knew that from year to year, there were certain workouts that we always had in the plan that I could, you know, look back, say, 
you know what, I remember when I couldn't do this. So whatever we're doing, it's working because I'm getting better. And that alone, when you can see that you're getting better, it, it keeps you hungry for, you know, for more. And it just validates that, you know, there's progression happening and it's fun to, it's easy to stay. Um, and, you know, you always wonder like, what if, you know, I did something else, but, you know, I, I think that it really worked out for me because I made tremendous, tremendous breakthroughs, you know, under, you know, under Jack and, um, I'm still applying a lot of it now, even when I'm training for the ultra uh, trail events and, you know, him and I talk about, you know, some of the races that I do and he just kind of shakes his head and <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you ran for 24 hours straight? <laughs> so it's kind of fun. Let's talk about that transition to trail running and ultra running. So you were a road runner, you were a marathoner, mm-hmm. you went to the Beijing Olympics, mm-hmm. but you, you had a knee injury. Is that mm-hmm. correct? So you actually didn't finish the marathon. Yes. So how, like, well, actually let's, let's yeah. put a pin in that because right you get to the Olympics and you've got this thing going on with your yeah. body temple yeah. and you have to cut out of the race. Right. How was yeah. that getting picked back up again after something like that? Right. It was, uh, it happened so quickly because it happened in the Olymp- Olympic Village on a bus when I whacked my knee. So, oh, so I, it, it wasn't was... something that you were like bringing in? No, no, it. yeah. No, it was a total fluke accident, not running mm. related. I whacked my knee um, against the seat in front of me that had this metal rod sticking out. And yeah, it was just a lot of anger and disappointment like you know I felt like I disappointed the world uh, not just myself um, <clears throat> but um, the recovery was probably the beginning of my running mm. the recovery and ah, I didn't learn the that gift. <laughs> the gift <laughs> right and you pr- you know sometimes you know I go back and I you know I wonder what if what if that incident didn't happen, what would my, you know, life be like as a, you know, as a runner or just my life? And I think that I'm very grateful for the lessons that I took away from, from that disappointment. You know, I came back from Beijing just totally just kind of thinking that this is probably it. I should just move on. Um, I was already, you know, in my late 30s when I made the team. So I was already an older athlete making an Olympic team. And that was, you know, it kind of just strips strips you down to to the bear. And you have, I had a lot of uh, reflecting to do in terms of what was next. And, you know, do I, do I just move away from that this type of commitment and training and do I just you know run which would have been totally fine right I mean there's nothing wrong with just waking up and running every day just for yourself um and then something clicked you know for me like I am doing this for myself this is why I get up every morning whether I make the Olympic team or not whether I get on the podium of the next race or not I do it because I love it and it really just like clicked why why I was doing it. It just became my why. And that was really important because <clears throat> you know as as you know 
disappointing it was and heartbreaking and all the shame that I felt in that moment, it gave me the fire to just keep going um, and really reinforced that, wow, I really enjoy, you know, all the training and I enjoy racing and it really shifted the priority of why I was doing it. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't to chase the next PR. It wasn't to, you know, just get on a podium. Um, but it's because I knew that there was a little bit more in the tank for me to improve. And I wanted to find out what my body was capable of. And all of my personal bests actually came after that. So my fastest time came after, after the biggest disappointment. And it's, it's really because that was the first time I realized like my why. Um, and it was worth, you know, worth the recovery process and rebuilding it and, and, you know, waking up in the morning with enough confidence to, you know, to, to go and do it all over again. And, you know, I didn't make the team in 2012, but my passion for the sport has, you know, never, uh, gone away if anything it has grown since then and I've been able to transfer that you know to to the trail running and and do what I do now with the you know ultra endurance events which I never envisioned myself back in the days if you ask me about <laughs> running 100 miles I would have <laughs> laughed I'm like whoa who does that you know but those moments and and every single person who's listening to this including the PJ and I like Life is going to bring you to your knees. Oh yes, and you have to, you have to, you have to go there right. to rise back up. And 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 I think that reflection is so important because it, I think it strengthens your desire. Right. Yes, and I, I, I think also, you know, it's like how you, how you get up is important, right? Mm-hmm. Um. It's that process alone and how I was handling it was really important and kind of set the stage for, for, the, for the years to follow for me. So when did you hit the dirt? Um, so that was 2013. Yeah. So it's been now... How many years is that? Six, Six years? <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, 19 minus? <laughs> it's like, what day is I, <laughs> It's been six years, and it's been an incredible journey. And for me, you know, I think I got, after a decade of just mastering the marathon, it's not that I didn't like it, but I was, you know, kind of just getting to the point where I needed another stimulus, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to get really fired up about. And I also needed um, to be on a new learning curve. I think that was really important to me. Like, am I learning something new? And, you know, showing up to my first half marathon trail ultra, I quickly found out that there's a lot I can learn. It's like a totally different sport. I totally <laughs> underestimate. You know, it's like back in the days, we didn't really have like Instagram to see like what these trail races look like. And you would look at the times of people, you know, running like, oh, they're running like, you know, 12 minute pace, like to me, I was like, wow, that's like, I think I could walk that fast <laughs> till you show up at a race 
and it was just an eye-opener for me when you know I'm trying to run and suddenly I'm like being forced to walk (laughs) and there are people that are walking next to me and passing me because they know actually how to power hike Mm -hmm. so it was it was a totally humbling experience but at the same time instead of being like devastated I said yep there it is there is something I can get better there's the learning curve there's the learning curve and you know even six years later I have not mastered how to be fearless on downhills on technical downhills so there's plenty to learn you just What's, gotta be willing <laughs> what fires you up about the, the like old running the ultra so I don't know yeah. what what your favorite distance is yeah what is it about that that fires you up I think that um you know my background just my approach and road racing was simplicity that was my kind of you know how do I make it as simple as possible Mm -hmm. kind of uh, minimalist Um, you know I just I less was more in marathons for me in terms of just like the whole picture and preparation and I didn't want it to make it too complex and then I got into you know ultras and kind of the logistics of even showing up to a race. As a triathlete, you can probably relate to this. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's gear, there's nutrition, there's aid stations. You know, I after a decade of marathon running, it my formula was just so dialed in. Uh, and suddenly it's all upside down and every course is different and eight stations at different places. And now you have to think about whether you have a handheld or, you know, or a vest. And when you get to see your crew, it like no race is the same and an environment plays such a big role. So there's a lot of unknowns. And that is what's so exciting because you get to <laughs> problem solve. So like every race, I'm like, well, I can't just apply what I did last year because this is a completely new year there are certain things that you take away that are stable um but there's always something being thrown at you something that's you know that's that you can control or that you can solve and that is I think the problem solving is what's really attractive and I never knew until I really you know probably like three years into the ultra endurance training that I will embrace it I think I was very resistant mm-hmm. to to the complexity because I've always wanted to make things really simple mm-hmm. <laughs> because that means, you know, the more simple you make it, the more control you have. But I started to really embrace the adversity of what and complexity of what ultra training has to offer and racing. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun to problem solve and you can... You can plan a lot of that stuff, but you still have to problem solve on site during the race because things change. <laughs> right. I mean, there's very little certainty when it comes to, especially, I mean, I haven't run a hundred yet, um, but especially when you're talking about that kind of distance, I mean, and now you're out in nature and I'm just rem- right. like having this memory of um, hearing about how, I think it was Jim Walmsley at Western States last year, had to wait for bears to cross, to cross right. the trail. Right. Or you, you know, you show up to a race and it's 80 degrees and then within two days it's snowing because mm-hmm. you're in high country, right? So suddenly like, you know, you, you have to be flexible and adaptable. And, and I think that 
years and years of uh, training and, and racing for me, really now I get to to draw from that experience and apply it in ultra running, which is kind of exciting and it keeps things interesting for me. And, um, yeah, you're always going to be problem solving out there. Right. That's what life is about, right? Right. Right. And I think the mastery is found in that. I think the mastery is found in the flexibility, right? Cause can we ever say like, can you ever master a hundred miles? Because it's always going to be different, even if it's the same course. Right. Because right? yeah. it's you up against Mother Nature, and I'll tell you, she she knows a lot more <laughs> she than we do. She's got right. her own she dictates. She dictates. She dictates. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and she can it. shake us off anytime she wants. Right. Um, so in wrapping this up, I mean, you are you have a full time job here. You are a mom. You are a wife, and you're an athlete, a very relevant athlete out there. How? Yeah. To you, <laughs> right? The 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 very um, overused question, but I always like yeah. to ask it because I like perspective, is the balance. Right. And does it ever get, are you, are you ever like, oh, I just want to like oh, yeah. watch a movie. Sleep in. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Get in my sweats <laughs> yeah. and watch a movie. <laughs> Absolutely. All the time. <laughs> Not going to lie. Uh, I dream sometimes of like, oh, one day I'm going to go on vacation and do nothing, which is so so unrealistic because I probably would hate it. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> but I do dream of that. You know, it's like, I'm going to sleep in till 10. I couldn't even sleep in till 10 <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, the, there's, again, there's no secret to, you know, to to the formula of, you know, trying to, to do it all. And sometimes I feel like I do too much and I really <clears throat> under appreciate kind of that downtime that's really necessary for all of us uh, and I need to be reminded that that's that's really important but I don't think I can do any of it with my, without my supporting family who also you know sees running as a lifestyle I think I'm really lucky that it's not a burden on my family that we all enjoy going to events and you know my son is just getting into running so now I get to go to his events um, you know and um, yeah, it's, 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 I think that the secret itself, if you want to call it a secret, has been building that, the lifestyle that we have, right? That it's not, even coming to work for me, it's like really exciting because I get to, you know, work with people like Roxanne who's doing, you know, amazing things or, you know, or cyclist or, you know, who, or your CEO training for, you know, a uh, crazy cycling event. You get inspired and it doesn't feel most days like work. Like sometimes I just need to tell myself, you need to go home now. <laughs> Don't, you, you, you need to just go home because you also have a family. Um, because phone, you know, work can be a lot of fun. There are days where I, you know, definitely dread because I'm tired or something. But overall, I think that I feel very fortunate that I work in a company that supports this culture and um, is also inspiring to me to be here every day because there are other people that chase their own dreams. It does not need to be running, but their own little dreams. Mm-hmm. We all have them. We all have our own Mount Everest, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. And then also, again, uh, having, you know, my husband is, uh, 
is probably you know the best partner that I could ask for um totally you know supports my dreams and goes out of his way to um to you know to to create an environment at home that you know I feel supported and empowered to you know to to do what I do um and then creating the same thing for you know for our son that you know mm-hmm. showing up to a hundred mile race it's not like dreading it you know he um we try to make it fun for him <laughs> <laughs> bring water guns whatever it is <laughs> Uh, so, or, you know, getting him involved at the aid station, you know, just again, not just making it fun and, and, and part of our lifestyles. Uh, my, my husband is a coach. He coaches, uh, high school kids. So <clears throat> we're just everywhere yeah. <laughs> when it comes to running <laughs> and, um, yeah. And it's having that mutual understanding and, um, you know, in, in recent years, I definitely, you know, I used to be like, get up at, you know, 4 a.m. and, you know, start the day early. But, um, you know, as we are approaching, you know, the aging years. I know 4 a.m. is it's too it's, early now. Yeah, it's getting so, really early. Five's pushing it these yeah, days. Well, quality <laughs> of sleep and quantity of sleep Sick. contributes to that longevity. So, again, it's, it's it's more about me being flexible and, and, you know, not too rigid with, you know, when I train, what surface I train on, Mm. you know, I, you know, and being, giving yourself credit for, you know, for what you do, because you can be really hard on yourself. You know, sometimes, you know, when you have, you know, a training schedule and, and, um, you know, when I have to adjust because I do need to get the sleep and I didn't get my morning session in, I'll do it during lunch. Like, don't beat yourself up. You're still working hard, right? It's not like you've bailed on everything. Um, so I think that has been a huge factor in, you know, in contributing to me creating that kind of a balance. I don't, I don't think I have balance, but... <laughs> well, it's, I think it's... perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think yeah. balance is really in perspective, right? Yeah. That you're not spending time beating yourself up. Because beating yourself up does not equal longevity. No. 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 Um, all right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Where are we going to see you next? Western States? <laughs> What's next for you? Uh, well, I wish I was going to Western States, but I'll be... I'll be racing in uh, in the Dolomites the same weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but I won't be at Western States. I think uh, I'm going to miss the action that's happening at Western States because that race has a special place in my heart. But uh, I will be in a Dolomites doing a, a race called uh, Lavaredo, uh, which is a 120k in yeah in Italy. Uh, really cool mountains that I've never seen before. <laughs> So it's a first first one for me and uh in you know in those mountains and yeah I'm really excited and then to Leadville. Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, so Very wonderful. Cool. Well, those dolomites are waiting for you. Yeah. They're waiting for your amazing energy. Yeah, I can't to come wait. out there. Yeah, soak it up. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much. This has just been lovely and informative and if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to follow you? Run Boulet uh, on Instagram and Twitter. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Manda. Thank you.